0: to be when you were little as far as what I want to be when I grow up? Like, do you remember that? Some of you would go, well, I'm a grown up now and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Some of you who are younger, do you know the answer to that question? What is it you would like to be when you grow up? I came across a video this week that asked a hundred kids that question. What is it that you would like to be when you grow up? It was pretty cute. And just like a lot of things that kids say, a lot of them made me smile. And so to answer this question of what do you want to be when you grow up, here's how some of them answered. Some of them were like, hey, I'd never thought about that. Okay. Or, hmm, I don't know. Or I'm still working on that. There was one child's answer that I'm going to be honest, I listened to 20 times And I'm still not 100% sure what he said. I think he said something like, a gentle that eats bugs. And I'm like, what? And so like I did, I listened to it again and again. Finally, I went back to the video later and the captions came on. I'm like, this is going to be great. And so I went and watched what this one boy said. And when it comes to him, it says a question mark that eats bugs. (laughs) Like you don't know either. And so I don't know what he wants to be. Here's what some of the other people said. And see if any of these were your answer a teacher, or an elementary teacher, because I like kids, a babysitter, a pastor, a dolphin trainer, a hair cutter, a person who helps with charities, a cashier at Walmart, an author who writes about mythical creatures, a lawyer, a pilot. One boy said, a pilot and a dad, a pilot racer dad. So whatever that is, there we go. A scientist, a paleontologist, a YouTuber, a movie star. Lots of them said an actor. And so they would go, well, where do you want to act or where do you want to be? And they're like on TV or on Disney Channel or on commercials. OK, some people said, I want to be a model or a policeman and then asked, why do you want to be a policeman? Well, I want to do car chases or I want to catch the bad guys. Someone said I wanted to be Batman. Someone said Spider-Man. Those are good goals. I want to be in the U.S. Army. I want to be the third African-American gymnast. I want to be a gymnastics coach, a dancer, a dance teacher. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a professional soccer player. And he immediately starts unzipping his jacket saying, look, I'm wearing a Barcelona shirt right now. Someone else said, I wanted to be a basketball player, a football player. One boy's honest. He said, hmm, maybe I'll, maybe when I grow up, I'll pick. That's a good idea. Um, one boy said, I already have my whole plan figured out. I'm going to serve in the Air Force for 20 years. I'm going to become a businessman and then I'm going to make my own company for cars. That's what I'm going to do. Someone said, I want to be a Pokemon trainer. I don't even know what that is. But <laughs> Someone said, I want to work at Target. One girl said, I want a cake. <laughs> OK, <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? I want a cake. That works for everything. Um, I want to be a pop star, a rock star, a singer. Someone said a cook. One boy said, I want to be a cook, but I really don't know how to cook. Well, he was honest. Someone said an artist or a painter, or I want to be an artist that goes around painting walls. Someone said, I want to be an artist and a video game maker or a filmmaker. One boy said, whatever my dad is. And so they said, well, do you know what your dad is? He said, "Uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay, so there you go. One person said, I want to be a doctor. A girl said, I want to be a mermaid. Another girl said, I want to be a mermaid doctor. Okay. I want to be a heart surgeon, a neurosurgeon, a cardiologist. One girl said, a pediatrician, you know, the kid's doctor. And so they said, why do you want to be that? She said, I want to be a doctor and still be able to wear rainbow sweatpants. Hey, those are great goals in life. Someone said, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a pet vet. I want to be a zoologist. And then the final girl said, I want to be a princess fairy zookeeper. To which the person said, well, how much do you think one of those gets paid? And she said, $29. I don't know if you knew what you wanted to be before I told you all about the answers in this video, but maybe if not, you've been nudged in one of those directions. And hopefully that direction makes you more than $29, but still allows you to wear rainbow sweatpants to it. This question... About what do you want to be when you grow up? It can be a fun one. Like it can allow us to dream. It can help us to figure out things that we are good at. And it can even cause us to begin working towards making those things happen. However, I do see a couple dangers if that question gets taken too far. Like first, I think there's moments where our society pushes children too quickly to know what they're going to be when they grow up. Like, I've had multiple discussions with students from different schools who feel this pressure about needing to know what they're going to be way before it's needed. Now, understand me. I'm trying to be clear here. I understand the benefits about knowing that question. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't come alongside students to help them think through this topic and start making goals. But there's also a place to let kids be kids. And our culture in general seems to be trying to have them grow up so fast. There's going to be a lot of time to be an adult and to think about work. And even consider this, how many people end up changing their majors when they're in college or even change their career paths after they get into the work field? And if we're not careful, we can cause a lot of unnecessary pressure to students when we push them too quickly and too hard in this area. But here's the second danger of this question, but it's not in the question itself. It's what we allow it to become. Like, instead of simply being the occupation that we're going to do to earn money, oftentimes we allow our job to become our identity. Like, it is who I am. And while the work that you do or the work that you're going to do is important, it does not make you who you are. Even if your occupation is passed down from generation to generation, like my family, we're all farmers, or we're doctors or teachers or pastors. Like, that is still not your identity. It's what you do. Now, you can be known for your job because that's part of you, but it is not who you are. In the movie Overcomer, there's a man named Thomas who's in a hospital bed and he's battling diabetes. And he's talking with a man named John who he met purely by accident. And Thomas begins helping John learn how to coach cross country. Because John really is a basketball coach, but now because of difficulties in the town and in the school, he's having to coach cross-country. And so in a conversation, John is asked this question by Thomas. If I asked you who you are, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? And so John responds by saying, a basketball coach. Thomas says, if that's stripped away. And so then John says, well, I'm also a history teacher. says, Okay we take that away. Who are you? Well, I'm a husband and a father. And God forbid that should ever change. But if it does, who are you? And so frustrated, John is like, I don't understand. And then finally, he just kind of says, well, I'm a white American male, to which Thomas laughs. and He says, well, that's for sure. But then as they're struggling, he says, is there anything else? And John says, well, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means I'm a follower of Christ. And how important is that? Well, it's very important. Interesting. Then why is it so far down on your list? And as the discussion continues, Thomas says, your identity will be tied into whatever you give your heart to. Your identity will be tied into whatever you give your heart to. And so if we place our identities in our jobs and then for whatever reason we lose our job, it devastates us because at that moment we don't know who we are anymore. Like I don't remember the exact words from an SRCC sermon quite a few years ago about work, but the meaning behind it was this question. Are you a worker who is also a Christian or are you a Christian who works? You see, our identity should be found in Christ. The mission statement of South Rock Christian Church is, well, actually, let me ask you. We've been talking about it, so it's time for a quiz. And so we'll see if you can tell me. There's six words. I bet you can at least get four of them. So on the count of three, I'm going to have you say it out loud. If you feel like you know it, if you're like, I don't know, you can say it softly, okay? But we're going to see if you know it, all right? So the mission statement of South Rock Christian Church is one, two, three, what? All right, you get an A. Okay, so there we go. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what our mission statement is. And as we find Jesus, we place our identity fully in him and who he says that we are. And then we follow him wherever he leads in every one of the areas of our lives. And one of the areas of following him is this area of work. It's not our identity, but it is something that is important. And so if you have your Bibles or devices, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible. Uh, you can also follow along in the notes in the app, in the UVersion app. You can go there under events. It says South Rock Christian Church, and all of our notes are there. And so we're turning to Genesis. And while you're turning there, let me give you the context of what we're reading. So God is actively creating the earth one day at a time, along with the sun and the moon and the stars. And he's created the water and the land, and the vegetation, and the animals. And when all of that is done, he makes mankind in his image. And so right after he has created them and created them in his image, we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And so this is what it says. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so from this verse, you see, in the midst of creating Adam and Eve, he gives them responsibility. It wasn't simply that man's going to be over the animals. There was work to be done. Now, if you're still in Genesis, turn to chapter 2. All right, chapter 2, verse 15, just one chapter later. This part of Scripture is looking specifically at Adam and Eve and not creation overall as chapter 1 did. And so in Genesis chapter 2.15, we're told this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So I still see that there is work to be done. If you were to go back to verse 8, you would see that God planted this garden, okay? this garden in Eden. But now Adam was to work the garden. This is important for us to realize because sometimes we can have the wrong understanding about work thinking that it's a consequence of sin, like the only reason that we have to do work is because of the fall of man, because sin has entered the world. However, that is clearly not the case. God created work so that it could serve a purpose of human fulfillment. However, once sin entered the world, that work definitely became harder. So now I want you to turn one chapter later to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 17 through 19. This is one of the saddest chapters in the entire Bible because it is when sin enters into the world. Right after Adam um, is in the garden to work it, he's told not to eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we don't know how long he and Eve obeyed that rule. But eventually, with the temptation coming from the serpent, they gave in and they ate from the tree. And so God comes to speak to Adam and Eve who are now afraid. And so the blame game begins and Adam blames Eve, this woman that you put here. Eve blames the servant and God is having absolutely none of it. And so he speaks consequences to the snake and then to the woman and then to the man. And so let's read in Genesis chapter three, starting in verse 17. It says to Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Which was now or which once was fulfilling has now become a source of frustration. Work today can still be toilsome, especially with the environment working against you. And even if you don't work in the fields, can you step back and just see how sickness and disease and problems and human dissensions makes work that much harder? Oh, it can still be fulfilling, which points to the fact that you and I were created to work, but thanks to sin. That work is a lot harder to achieve but this fulfillment in work doesn't just apply to our occupational work carrying out your work as a parent or as a child or as a volunteer it still meets a need that you and i have because we were created to work that's also why even if you are able to retire it's still important to live a life of productivity like we don't have to overwork ourselves and you're able to enjoy the fruits of your labor But we still find fulfillment in accomplishing things in that stage of our life. In fact, most scholars believe that when we're in heaven, we're going to have work to do. It's not just going to be floating around to and fro. It's not going to be uninterrupted rest and leisure. We're going to be worshiping Christ. We're going to be serving Him. We're even going to be co-reigning with Him, whatever that means. Much of what heaven is going to be is actually getting back to what God created in Eden, that this is everything perfect. And so I can't explain everything about heaven and even the work that we're going to be doing, but I can tell you this, that it will be fulfilling. And it's not going to carry the, oh, it's Monday kind of attitude that sometimes we can have when a new week starts and we think about work, work it's not a bad thing. God created it with a purpose. And once we understand that fact that we are created to work, it can help us as we carry it out. And so part of following Christ through this area of work is doing it all for Him. All right, and your Bibles turn now to the book of Ephesians, so way towards the back in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 is where we're going to look at in just a moment. But as you're turning there, I want you to think about this question with relation to work. What is your motivation? Like what is your motivation with work? Is it to make money? Is it to pro- to provide for your family? Is it to help someone else with the product that you sell or you make? What about work not with your occupation? What's your motivation there? Is it to serve your family? Is it to have the cleanest house or the most upkept yard in the neighborhood? Is it simply to fill your time so that way you're not bored? Is your motivation, well, someone's got to do it, so I guess I might as well do it. As a Christian, here is what our ultimate motivation should be regarding this area of work. And even though the text speaks to slaves, you can think about it from an employee's viewpoint. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. And so Paul tells us that we should serve those that we work for. We should obey them. We should work hard for them as if we're doing it all for Christ. And not just when our employer is around, but we should have the same work ethic all the time. And as we do our work, the motivation should be that Christ receives the glory for everything that I am doing. In a passage that's very similar, Paul tells slaves in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, that whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Like We know that our reward is coming from Him. So because of that, we should do our work for Him, giving our best effort towards everything. And in case you think this work only applies to an occupation, listen to 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything we do should be for His glory. All of the work that we accomplish, our job, our household chores, our responsibilities, our moments of volunteering, it all should be with the idea that you're living for an audience of one we need to make sure that we don't fall into a mindset where our monday through saturday looks vastly different than what we do on sunday as far as who's receiving the glory because it should all be for the glory of god a man named marshall Segal said where you work is not nearly as important as why you work where you work is not nearly as important as why you work Now, I do believe there are times that God wants you at a specific job, but there are a lot of other situations where I believe God allows us to choose where we work. We just have to ask ourselves, God, can you be glorified if I work in this situation? And if the answer is yes, and we choose to do that, then we ought to give Him the glory. You know what, in all these verses that Paul's writing to slaves, he tells them to live this way of serving their masters, not just when their masters treat them well, but all the time. And that's important for us to remember, because sometimes we let others, like how others treat us, determine how we're going to act. Well, I'm going to give my maximum effort only if I get rewarded for it. Or if my boss speaks poorly to me, I'm going to talk behind their back. I'll get my job done, but I'm only going to do the bare minimum because that's all I see anyone else doing. Or maybe it's I'm part of this team, but I just don't mesh very well. So I'm going to work really hard by myself, but not so much with the team. And if we choose to do those things, we won't feel the fulfillment that God wants us to experience in work. And I'm not saying there's never a time to leave a job because sometimes there is those moments that it's time to move on. I'm also not saying that there's never time to confront someone else, because there's moments that we need to make sure we're not just sweeping things under the rug. But our motivation should not come from simply trying to please others. We need to live for an audience of one. And even talking about this fulfillment in work, some of you don't enjoy what you do right now, but it actually has nothing to do with the actual work that you're doing Like you like that part of it, but you're trying to figure out why is it that you're so frustrated? It could be that you're allowing what others say or how other people view you and your skills or even the problems that you are overseeing to be that which what you spend all of your time dwelling upon. And what's happening is you're actually allowing other people to steal your joy. Maybe even as I mentioned that sentence, that, that hits home with you. And if that's you, I would encourage you to spend time realigning your value, or as we talked about, your identity, your motivation, working in what should be serving the Lord. Not just trying to please others, because you won't always please everybody. Or even meeting everyone's expectations, because there are so many expectations out there. Or even having the perfect workspace, whatever that looks like. As you do that, Every problem is not magically going to go away, but you will spend more time focusing on that which really matters. And those things that were weighing you down won't have quite the hold on you anymore. And I know this is easier said than done to place my identity in Jesus and not my work. But I can tell you, if you're able to do it, it is totally worth it. And you may just find your joy again. Last set of texts I want you to turn to. Go to 1 Thessalonians, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be reading in verses 9 through 12. And even if it takes you a while to find it, I still want you to be able to have that. We're looking at this one last area of this idea of work and how God wants to use it. And so these series of verses are not too far apart, all in First and 2 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 is where we're starting. So Paul says this, Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. And yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent upon anybody. Now, turn to chapter 5, still in 1 Thessalonians, verse 14, okay? Similar words written here, but 5.14 says this, "...and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the, the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone." All right, and finally, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So there's three chapters later. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10. This is our last text that we're looking at today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. It says, "...for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies." such people we command and urge in the lord jesus christ to settle down and earn the food that they eat and as for you brothers and sisters never tire of doing what is good you know what god wants us to work he wants us to earn our pay now just to be 100 percent clear here i am not saying that people can't be a stay-at-home parent, okay? I don't want anyone to take that. If you think that that's not work, you should try it for a little while. But here's what I want you to know. God wants us to work. We shouldn't be reliant upon people outside of our house. Even in retirement, continue to do good for others. Don't simply become idle, as Scripture was saying. And if we treat work properly, both that which is done for a job and that which we do everywhere else, we will gain the respect of outsiders, referring to those people who are outside the faith, who do not yet believe. Those who see our work ethic and our care for others may ask you, why do you live this way? How are you able to work the way that you do? And in that moment, without preaching a sermon, you can simply say that you're living for Him. That's what I'm doing. God can use the way that you follow Him in this area of work to help others find Him. By doing everything for His glory and by finding fulfillment in the work that He has for you, a door might be opened up to change someone's life for eternity. And maybe, just maybe, that changes how you see Monday morning. Who are you? If you were asked that question, what if you didn't answer by the work that you did? Not at least at first. Not your job, not the roles that you take on. What if your first answer was, I am a follower of Christ. I'm a child of God. I am a Christian. And then all of the other answers are built on that foundation. Well, I'm a dad or a mom or a grandparent or an aunt. I work at such and such a place. I live in this town. If our identity is in the right place to start, you'll be able to see so many victories that God works in your life as you continue to work for him. And so may all of us as we leave today be a Christian that works for him. And this morning, if we're talking, maybe there's something that you just need some prayer about. And we have people at our decision points ready to pray alongside of you. And maybe today is the day that I want to start following this Jesus. I want even my work to matter. And if this is you, then I encourage you to make your way to the decision point as well. For the rest of us, we're going to sing to the God who continually is victorious. Will you guys stand as we sing?